listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Construction Big Breakfast with me, your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. And today I'm joined by our special guest, Paul Mott. Say hi, Paul. Hello, everybody. And my colleague, Ben Pritchard. And today we've got a very interesting um, podcast, I'm sure, because we're going to be talking about COVID and how that's impacting on certain aspects of the future in construction. But that will all come out in the wash. But first off, uh, I'd like to introduce Paul properly. Paul is uh, the MD of MTT, which is a very distinguished M&E consultancy. And uh, well, Paul, before you tell us about very quickly about MTT, you know what the question is that's coming. It's the same one that everyone gets asked. What yes. did you have for breakfast today? Well, interestingly enough, I didn't have what I normally have. Um, so today I had um, two banana, honey and desiccated coconut toasted sandwiches with some nuts on the side. Wow. That's the first. We haven't had that one come up. Well, it's a, I usually have porridge, you know, that I put in the fridge the night before with coconut water and, and all that kind of thing and then eat that in the morning. But I forgot to do it last night because I got into the Royal Family series and uh, went to bed a bit late. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a minute. So, Ben, what did you have? Well, I went uh, back to basics and I had porridge today. So uh, a bit of a sort of a hectic morning. So it was just a, a quick and easy bowl of porridge and a cup of tea. Okay, well, I what I had today is one of my sort of off-day uh, breakfast during lockdown, which was uh, sourdough toast with peanut butter. Oh. But a couple of times a week, I have one of those kefir yogurt drinks. And I've found them, they're really great for your guts. That's why I, I t that, that tastes quite nice. But that, good, that's good, good to know that, Tim. Well, you've got to look after yourself when you get to a certain age. So um, that, that's what I had. No fry-ups today. Uh, well, without digressing too much, I did notice how uh, yesterday's breakfast didn't go down well on Facebook for you, Tim. Uh, no, it didn't. But anyway, that's yesterday's was um, two fried eggs and some uh, chopped tomatoes with a few... Uh, Burnt toast. Anyway, if you put yourself up for public scrutiny, that's what happens. Yeah. Anyway, Paul, just, just to set the scene, uh, obviously we know MTT well, but perhaps for our listeners and viewers, just give us a little sort of outline sketch about what you do and a little bit of history. That would be great. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks, Tim. So, Basically, we are an MTT is a building services and sustainability design engineering practice, uh, which we formed 21 years ago. Um, we've now got a team of 50 in London and 13 in Serbia, which um, is, a, is a, an extension of our design, but more our computer-aided design office in Serbia. And that happened completely by accident. We like to think of ourselves as a a vehicle that like-minded people get on board and enjoy the journey and one of the guys that got on board was a Serbian chap Zoran who wanted to go back home to Serbia to live so we said right well why don't you start an office out there for us because you're one of the best CAD guys we've got so he did and that's how it evolved um, and that's generally how I've grown the business I've basically got on board mates of mine that I've met 
over the years. In, I started off as an apprentice with a contractor. I then went to um, a consultancy. I then got headhunted and went to a main contractor and then came back to consulting. So I met a lot of really good people on that journey. And one by one, I've gone back to them and said, look, do you want to come and get in the vehicle and let's try and bring a really good service to the market? Because I didn't feel that it existed. I felt that we needed to do more for the clients, basically. So here we are now. Yeah. And our sectors are commercial office, big mixed use, um, high-end resi and resi, um, hotels and student accommodation. That's oh, that. That's a is an interesting story, interesting journey, and really one one reason we wanted to get you on the podcast was because yeah, I know from some conversations we've had and some of the work that Ben's been doing with you that the business itself does an awful lot of uh, research and development activity, and there's been all sorts of things in the past around decarbonising uh, construction and the built environment. But of course, what what's happened right now? It's been, we've, we've all been immersed in for the last year or so is this uh, worldwide uh, COVID pandemic. And we've had some very interesting discussions offline around how that's impacting the way that uh, property owners, the developers are thinking. And one of the, one of the aspects is the impact that's having on your subsector yeah yeah it's 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 interesting probably the best place to start is where where it was pre-covid so everyone pretty much we talk commercially because that's really the area that's um the main effect the office environment so to speak um building owners were pushing for higher density occupation um with ticked um with added wellness as well wellness was coming to the fore before um covid but obviously the high density um, is now a potential issue and probably 90% of commercial office blocks in London are serviced, the air conditioning service with a, what we call a mixing system, generally fan core units, which basically mixes all the air in the space to create the temperature for the environment. So you can imagine with COVID and the spread of any particles that's not a great solution or on the face of it, it's not a great solution and those systems are also termed minimum fresh air solutions fresh air being now big a big issue with all of the stuff that you'll read on covid and solutions to it opening windows higher fresh air volumes so the, a lot of the buildings that are already installed and built um, have these minimum fresh air systems with um, a certain amount of fresh air per person allocated to them and that's it so and then they mix up the air in the space. So it's challenging. Um, and something that we did straight away was wrote a paper for our clients to say, we should probably look at this and see if there's ways of improving the existing situation. Because Tim, it is what it is. You know, yeah. you, 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 can't, you can't strip out systems that have only just been put in. Um, you know, everybody was happy with them. You know, the, the agent market who drive a lot of the solutions because they can they can get these things out on the market and sell sell them and rent the space. Um, they loved the system. Everybody understood it. It was a no-brainer. And now, all of a sudden, people are um, now going, well, hang on a minute. I'm reading this stuff. People that don't normally get involved, I think that's the key. The, the genu general man or lady on the street now walks to work and says, what 
what's my air conditioning system? How are you protecting me or helping to protect me from such things as COVID? Because we all know if someone gets the flu in an air conditioned office, which is normal COVID, um, everyone catches it. But no one seemed to care about that. It was just one of those things. Now everyone's anxieties are definitely heightened and the, the, the every person now coming to work asks that question of their employer. Yeah, it's been a sort of a, a common um, theme, hasn't it? We've done a, a couple of similar conversations these last couple of weeks with architects and the likes and, and this idea of can the end user trust the space they're coming back to? Can they trust that they're safe? without fully understanding the ins and outs of how it works, can they just feel safe and comfortable coming back, knowing that the landlord and their company have done the best they possibly can to keep them safe today and in the future? Yeah, and I think it's um, there's really two schools of thought. So um, initially, with the first kind of lockdown and, and as this came out, I think everybody was, right, what can we do? And then gradually as times progressed, People are making, you know, these are intelligent people. They're making their own judgments based on research numbers um, that, they, that they, can, they can see. And I think one camp is saying, I think we should really do something positive. And another camp is saying, I think this will blow over. Um, you know, that's, that's the truth. I think, you know, we, we are seeing um, some people just kind of saying, we'll put some sanitization stations in but that's pretty much all we're going to do we'll make sure that the things maintained more often the filters are changed more often and and that's about it um are you um what about um uh, sort of density um so you you started there saying you know london was becoming a very high dense sort of office area as well as the the level of fresh air um, that the um, air conditioning systems in the buildings are seeing are you seeing clients change their viewpoint on how dense a space they want well so originally it was a lot of the clients were making so to make a building as um attractive to the market as possible you need to have as many options for people so one of the options was co-working like we were that kind of operation and they will probably drive numbers down to one per six occupational density whether you could ever occupy that maybe is questionable because of circulation space and absenteeism but they would what you'd find is existing buildings would re-engineer the amount of fresh air they've got into a one per six um, density. So it might be they're only getting eight litres a second per person, whereas it was originally designed for one person for 10 square metres getting 12 litres a second per person. So you saw that. We, I think there's definitely going to be a move towards less density. So maybe back to one per 12, um, which was quite normal not that long ago. Um, but I think you can do it. It's the fresh air that's the key. The density, the fresh air is designed around the density on most fan core systems, which is 90% of buildings. That's just my figure. Um, there are other systems which we can come on to. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the easy win. If you read the papers that have come out from the big agents spacing things out, um, there are there is talk of openable windows. It's not that practical in the centre of London with traffic noise, pollution. It is, it, it, that isn't really viable. And a lot of the buildings haven't got openable windows anyway. They're still units. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a move to say to people rather than cram you in, um, we'll spread you out a little bit. Yeah. And what about obviously the, the fresh air diluting whatever's in there? It, what about actually treating the air as it comes in or that's 
being recirculated. Is, is is there any technology that you're you're looking at or investigating to kill off the? I know they're not alive viruses, but deactivate them or whatever. Yeah. So the two kind of main technologies that that are out there, and I'm not a scientist, but obviously we've done our research. Um, a UVC, which UV light, um, and um, bipolar. Um, ionization. Now, there's two different scenarios. If you're designing from scratch, it's easier to put both of these things in from day one. If you're retrofitting, which a lot of cases people will be looking to go into buildings and retrofit, uh, it's much harder to use the UVC than it is to use the bipolar ionization. And the testing on the bipolar ionization is fairly limited to kind of hotel room and there is a small study done in an office so there are question marks yeah okay we can see that this test works and it does um, sanitize a large percentage of the air not just from covid but from other um, particles and um, contaminants but will it work in an office you know an open plan office how many do i need how do i know it's working so, and you're only treating um, the fresh air. And if you think about how much of the air that's being recirculated in the space, the fresh air is probably only 20% maximum. 80% is, is air in the space. So you can treat that as well um, through the terminal devices, without getting too technical, through the, the actual device that heat or cools the space. Um, but it starts to become questionable. Now, we, we favor that option, I have to say, as a practice. Um, that is our recommendation to clients because the UVC has higher power requirements and higher maintenance requirements, higher capital cost, whereas the bipolar ionization is a simple fix and an easy item to maintain. So yeah, you can clean the air up, inverted commas, um, but everybody, I think it's fair to say, are very worried about saying that it's the solution because it, it probably isn't. It, it's, it's, better, it, it's a great thing to do, but it's not the be all and end all. And there will be other technologies um, that, mm. that evolve. But it's not just other technologies either that you're looking at. You, you know, it's um, you know, post-COVID, it's, um, you know, what could potentially come next. So, you know, the solutions you're talking about there, Paul, they're not just to try and help us overcome the COVID-19 issue, but it's the, the what next that could happen. It's like long-term health and well-being as well, isn't it? Exactly. And, and well-being was right up there on most of the people we work with well-being was right up there on the agenda they realized that the work that the working environment needs to be better nicer so sort of the next thing is kind of where is it going post-covid to come on to answer your question um with the occupiers now having their anxieties heightened and, and and you know some people could make a play on not coming to work because because of it and obviously that's not ideal although I think the work-life balance has really been tested now. I think a lot of people want to come back to work because they realise that actually the balance that way is quite positive in a way. Certainly our people are. So the, what, we're, what we're seeing now is that the market is becoming more open-minded to solutions. So I know I keep harking on about fan calls, and that's just because that is a predominant system, so I'll stick with it. So the market knows fan calls, loves fan calls, everybody knows it. And if you're talking to a developer and you... And, if I said to a developer two years ago, most developers, there are developers that are much more kind of forward thinking, oh, let's look at displacement for an office building. 
they go, no, 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 that, that, that won't work. We, we won't be able to call the, do the loads. The agents don't like it. it it's going to be a nightmare, et cetera, et cetera. What's happening now is at the start of every job, we're doing um, analysis and a feasibility for a number of different systems, starting with displacement, which is the purest system, and then, then ending up with fan calls. And then basically going through it and explaining the pros and cons of each system to, to the client and letting them make an informed decision with their agents. And what we've seen is two large projects we're now doing are both displacement. So to explain the difference, displacement, pure displacement, all of the cooling is done from under the floor. So you, you literally, it's a full fresh air system, a full air, all air system. So you can put full fresh air under the floor, it comes out of the floor, it hangs around on the floor because it's cool, it's cool. And then as it meets a heat source, as in a person working out a PC or, or any other heat source, um, the air stratifies around that heat source. So you end up in a little microclimate. So if you can imagine the air's going up around your body and then everything's extracted. So there's no recirculation. So it's a, it's a very clean, very pure kind of system, but it isn't a... It's not. It's a passive system. It's not like with a fan call system where you can guarantee that it's going to be that temperature at that point pretty much because you're mixing all the air up in the box. This one isn't mixing the air up in the box. It's only dealing with the heat where it is. Um, but we're doing two large commercial schemes now, which are displacement, pure displacement, no supplemental cooling. And the clients have taken a view with their agents that if they're questioned about the ability to cool down the market accepted small power heat gains, they'll deal with it. Um, if, if you're doing something like that, so especially in central London, you know, you've got a, a massive increase in the amount of fresh air you need. So, you know, you need more fresh air taken in. Um, and in London, it's dubious as to how fresh it is at times. Do, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, you, you know, does that is sort of the the increase in filtration requirements and whatever else to, to take the particles out of the, the fresh air in the intake, can that be a, a negative and cause issues for a displacement system? Well, there's two things with displacement. You do need a certain floor to ceiling height or floor to soffit height, minimum 2.8 metres, um, but you'd really want a bit more than that. And a lot of the modern buildings haven't got that because when they were built, they squeeze it down as much as they can. You, you know, you squeeze a 15 storey building down by it, 100 mil floor, you could maybe build another floor, which is value. Yeah. So, so some buildings just can't accommodate it, but they can accommodate maybe a hybrid where it's an underfloor system, but it's got fan boxes under the floor to to, to boost it a little bit. Um, and then on the fresh air side, yeah, the fresh air is the fresh air. Um, yeah, you can clean it up. You, I mean, the, the best form of filtration are HEPA filters, the high performance filters that they use in things like operating theatres. The problem with them is they need to be fitted very well they need to be maintained very well um, they have high pressure drops so the fans are bigger so the energy consumption is bigger and in most commercial offices the maintenance isn't great um, it does get neglected so you could use things like uvc bipolar ionization and, and and our stance on that is you know we've had some people look at our recommendations third parties and, and critique it and our view is look it's better than nothing it's it's the best technology that's out there so why wouldn't you do it um the clients are all for it you know they're kind of looking at it and going that's great you know we want our building to 
be as, as uh, perceived as well as we can in the market, because then there's more tenants that, that will take it. Hmm. But we are, you know, we are seeing now, it's great. You know, we had a meeting recently with some agents and we thought that they'd probably be quite negative about it. And they weren't. They were completely the other way. They were very positive about displacement. And, and when we raised the issue of potentially not being able to do the large cooling loads on the small power, they were like, that's fine. It's, it appears like that, quite rightly so, because we over-engineer buildings. We, we very seldom need the cooling loads we install. So it's much better now that the pendulum swinging towards the wellness and the practical side of a nicer working environment and away from the box ticking technical side, which is over-designed. You know, so it's, it's wasteful in everything, carbon, energy, everything. So it, it's going, um, in a way, it's, it's working in pure engineer's favour. We've obviously spoken a lot about the office market. What about the, the leisure market? I'm thinking particularly of restaurants who've obviously been very, very badly hit uh, during the past uh, nine, ten months. They're obviously a different shape often to offices. They've got a different through foot of people and all the rest of it. Do you think they're going to need some sort of retrofitted um, enhancements to their air conditioning? Yeah, and I think a lot of them have already done it, I believe. Um, and it, the same would apply, what you could apply to an office system, you could apply to um, a restaurant. Because the system will be similar. It'll be an all-air system or a fan core system. So you can, you can apply, apply that technology to both systems. Whether, whether or not people will, is, and this is where I come back to what I said, that people's attitude is quite interesting. We had a, a, a client that was prepared to install this equipment at their cost for a tenant, and the tenant actually was pushing back on it. You know, well, does it work? Why do we need it? Which was, you know, if I'd have been a consultant working for the tenant, I'd have been grasping it and saying, this is great. It's, uh, it's, they're doing it at their cost. It can only be an, um, a benefit to, to our employees. Let's have it. But uh, it's interesting. So, but yeah, restaurants, Tim, um, I think they've already, I think they've been great. You know, I, I, I've socialised between the lockdowns in restaurants. And I think they've been great. And I think it's, um, it's tragic the way that they've been affected by this, when they actually probably the cleanest environments that most people go in anyway. I'm going to have to say, I mean, I was the same as you. In fact, we did, didn't we, uh, when we were allowed to. I I never felt vulnerable, but that, you know, doesn't mean my perception of risk is right. I didn't catch COVID. Um, I may have been lucky. Um, but, yes, you're right. I think there were lots of obvious, simple things that were done in restaurants to minimise the risk without spending lots of money on... Um, hardware but we'll see yeah. That, yeah people yeah what the balance is after this between people who just want to get back and those that hold back well time will tell isn't it i think time will tell i think the hardest part will you know not be the offices and the um restaurants especially for london uh, it, it's the travel infrastructure, you know, it's the getting in and out. Um, you know, my 20, 30 year old train with no air con and, you know, crappy opening windows and 100 people per carriage, it'll be difficult for them to make some people ever feel safe. Um, 
uh, in the short term, especially on them. That's where um, you more holistic master planning and things like that um, have to uh, be considered, not just sort of, you know, what do you do for your floor, your space, your building? Yeah, I think that's 100%. And I do think there will be um, more of a mix of home working. I mean, I, I don't, I don't my, my position from, from what I see is two things. It's not as efficient. So the first lockdown as a business, we dealt with it no problem because we were delivering. It's easy to deliver from home. Well, it's not easy, but you can do it. But what I saw when we came back was like that you need the interaction in the office. You need that buzz. You need the, the younger guys and girls learning from the older guys and girls. And, and just when you walk past someone's desk and you hear them say something, oh, no, no, don't, you know, you don't want to do that. Let's sit down and go through that. And you lost all that. And, it, and it's all very well for people with big houses and they can have a study upstairs and get, get away from their kids and that. But when you're sitting in a one-bedroom flat with a screaming child trying to have 12 hours of Zoom calls, which is which is now what's happening, you know, you know, we, we're getting on seven in the morning and coming off at six at night and it's constant and people, you know, are working harder, but it's not as efficient. So certain tasks definitely can be done remotely. And I think as a business, we're now looking at people within MTT and saying, look, they can work completely okay from home. If they don't want to come in, let them come in when they want, because we trust them as well. Um, but definitely um, people will come back and that train journey, and for a while anyway, when I catch the tube to come to the office, uh, I don't worry about it. I, I've had COVID, but I don't worry. I'm, I'm one of them people anyway. I just get on with it. Um, but I can see, even walking down the street, I'm sure you can, and I'm sure you can, Tim, people are generally worried still. Mm. Step aside, young people are wearing masks in the street, which never thought you'd see that. And uh, not because they have to, just because they want to. So, um, yeah, it's definitely had an impact on people's mentality. So, yeah, it could, could be a long while before people get back on a tube like we used to and eat a bag of crisps holding onto the handrail and things like that. You know, that's never going to happen, is it? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I was, I'm like you, Paul. I, you know, until it, I was basically told not to go into London, um, I was going in, I was taking the necessary precautions. And, of course, you could see the compliance go up, you know, starting in, June, July, when we started going back after the first lockdown, all of a sudden it was 100%. And then even I, when I first started going back, I was buying a coffee and taking the mask off to drink it. And after a while, I stopped doing that as well. because I, Not because I felt, actually not because I thought it was a risk to me. I just thought I was... I was getting looked at. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. It suddenly becomes... Social pressure. I think it was probably within the rules, but you know, the people didn't didn't like to see you doing it. Um, now, interesting with transportation in London, with Crossrail opening, I think there's some good news on that. Maybe by the end of the year, that increases the east-west capacity really significantly, particularly in the central zone. It does nothing really for north-south, obviously. Um, and if there is a shift a bit in the pattern of the way people travel, you know, extending the rush hour in the morning, it could be that there's a significant um, reduction in cr the crush loading bits that we're all used to, uh, and it becomes less of an issue for a few years because um, 
you know, because of that capacity increase and the fact that people's work patterns have changed. But I think the other thing is, and I've heard this from a few developers that we've, we've been, or people who advise developers, that there's more provision being made for alternative means of getting to the office. So parks for your bicycles. Now, I, I've seen shops being converted into cycle stores around Bloomsbury and uh, Fitzrovia. Have you have you seen any of that from any of your clients looking to reconfigure the perhaps the ground floor in the basement so they can store more bikes for their and also provide the washing facilities and yeah there, there's there's certification like Briam and such things which I won't go into the detail but this has been on the agenda for quite a long while um, and clients are making the end of trip as they call it a much nicer experience rather than just a few lockers and damp places to leave your waterproofs in the basement they're now making the end of trip um, like a really nice experience. So a bit more like a health clubby gym environment so that you can have showers, dry your hair, you can have drying rooms, uh, proper lockers, you know, and it, and it is a key thing now. And it is part of um, certification to have these facilities in the buildings, but not just a couple, enough for the, enough for the people that are going to use the building. So not just a token gesture. Um, they're spending a lot of money on it. That's, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Do you think um, you're moving forward? I mean, you mentioned it uh, right at the start, you, you know, things like the wellness certification, the, it was starting to gain momentum, but do you think there's going to be a proper, really big push now and uh, most developments will be looking at that either formally or informally? Just, you know, it's not just about being sustainable from a, a carbon and recycling perspective, but that wellness really becomes front and centre? Yeah, it was already it was already a big ticket item. Um, I think it'd be one of the first. And there's other accreditations now. There's Neighbours, which is an Australian one, believe, yeah, typically with the Neighbours. <laughs> um, but they're all. But you know, the, the, the ones that are practical, the ones that where you can see that that is good for the environment, that is good for the occupier, that is that is a benefit. I, I'm really all for them. But some of them are just a bit silly. You get a credit for doing something which isn't very practical but but I think now that's going to be the first thing on the agenda they're going to go right how 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 clean and how healthy is the environment I am bringing people into the journey they from when they arrive to get to their workspace what's that journey like um, and then their workspace what what is that experience like and do you think the sort of the end user the employee will become more aware and be sort of, you know, job adverts will start requiring, you know, our office is well certificated, yeah. is um, outstanding and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, especially with social media and the way the youngsters use it. Yeah, and, it, and it's not a bad thing because that should be the driver because if people, if people are healthy, they, they work better and that should be the driver. You know, when, when people started putting ping pong tables in and, and table football into offices, you know, people really like that, you know, that, oh, we can just, you're still only having a cup of coffee, but you're just having a bit of fun while you're having it. And, you know, our industry's never been very good at that, you know, us, us engineers, we're just traditional, but we, we, we try. Um, but yeah, I think um, hopefully the pendulum is swinging now towards the practical use of the space and, and, and the occupier getting a good experience, but it's a balance, you know, you've got to, got to make it viable for a developer so they won't be building buildings and they won't make any money um, but the balance it will be more in favor of the wellness rather than just a technical 
over design, which we do too much of. On that positive note, uh, I'd just like to draw it to a close because that's been, a, I, I'm, I'll speak first, it's been a wonderful insight into really what, what, what the drivers are and the work that's being done right now to improve and cope with the current circumstances for the future with the, not just offices, but the leisure spaces and what have you. All about health and well-being. Uh, I think that's a really, really positive thing. So. I thank Paul for being our guest. Thank you very much, Paul. And, um, I'm sure the uh, viewers are most interested in what you had to say. And thanks again to Ben, my colleague. To everyone else, thanks for watching. If you've enjoyed it, please like it. Subscribe if you want to get informed about the next episodes. This episode uh, was filmed a couple of weeks ago uh, and we publish every fortnight. So we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one. Bye. Come to Invent for the highest R&D tax credit you can claim. We help construction businesses get back millions in tax credits every year. Contact us today for a free review. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.